Video starts at 13.50. Intro. Of course it's absurd. It's as I suspected. Well, I must defend my name. No, you must do no such thing. Oh, my honor, I will, my lord, I must. I know you yearn to defend your name and your honor, but the common mind has no capacity for this sort of nuance. It's, they simply don't understand the world as we do. They, they see villains and heroes, and that's all. Um, my lord. Deny, deny, deny. All men are not equal in heart and spirit. From a short history of Christianity by J. M. Robertson. Taken individually, then. An average Christian of the second century was likely to be an unlettered person of the lower middle or poorer classes, living in a town, either bitterly averse to idols, theatres, the circus, and the public baths, or persuaded that he ought to be, utterly credulous as to demons and miracles, incapable of criticism as to sacred books, neurotic or respectful towards neurosis, readily emotional towards the crucified God and the sacred mystery in which were given the body and blood devoid alike of aesthetic and of philosophic faculty, without the thought of civic duty or political theory, much given to his ritual, capable of fanatical hatred and of personal malice, but either constitutionally sober and chaste or chronically anxious to be so, and in times of persecution exalted by the passion of self-sacrifice, perhaps then transiently attaining to the professed ideal of love towards enemies. But the effective bonds of union for the community, whether in peace or during persecution, were rather the ruling passion of hostility to pagan beliefs and usages, and the eager hope of salvation, than any enthusiasm of humanity, social or even sectarian. And, as an orthodox ecclesiastic has remarked, we cannot even cursorily read the New Testament without being astonished by the allusions so often made to immoral persons calling themselves Christians. From a new model of the universe by P. D. Uspensky. Only degeneration and decay can proceed mechanically. Initiation gave freedom from this gloom, gave a way of escape from the never-ending anguish of the abodes of the dead, gave a kind of life in death. This idea is expressed more clearly than anywhere else in the Easter hymn of the Orthodox Church, which undoubtedly comes from very remote pre-Christian antiquity and links the Christian idea with the idea of the mysteries. Christ is risen from the dead. He has conquered death with death, and given life to those who were in tombs. There is a remarkable analogy between the content of the mysteries and the earthly life of Christ. The life of Christ, taken as we know it from the Gospels, represents the same mystery as those which were performed in Egypt on the island of Phile, in Greece at Eleusis, and in other places. First of all the idea of esotericism tells us of the knowledge which has been accumulated for tens of thousands of years and has been handed down from generation to generation within small circles of initiates, this knowledge often relates to spheres which have not even been touched upon by science. In order to acquire this knowledge, and also the power which it gives, a man must go through difficult preliminary preparations and tests and prolonged work without which it is impossible to assimilate this knowledge and to learn how to use it. This work for the mastery of esoteric knowledge, and the methods belonging to it, constitute by themselves a separate cycle of knowledge unknown to us. One and the same idea invariably runs through the teachings originated by these people, namely, the idea that only a very few can enter the esoteric circle, though many may desire to do so and may even make the attempt. The esoteric schools which preserve ancient knowledge, handing it over from one to another in succession, 
and the people who belong to these schools stand apart, as it were, from ordinary mankind, to which we belong. According to the idea of esotericism, as applied to the history of mankind, no civilization ever begins of itself. There exists no evolution which begins accidentally and proceeds mechanically. Only degeneration and decay can proceed mechanically. Civilization never starts by natural growth, but only through artificial cultivation. Esoteric schools are hidden from the eyes of ordinary humanity, but the influence of schools persists uninterruptedly in history, and has the aim, so far as we can understand this aim, of helping, when that appears possible, races which have lapsed into a barbarous state of one kind or another to emerge from that state and to enter upon a new civilization, or a new life. A savage or semi-savage people or an entire country is taken in hand by a man possessing power and knowledge. He begins to educate and instruct the people. He gives them a religion, he makes laws, builds temples, introduces writing, creates the beginning of art and the sciences, makes the people migrate to another country if necessary, and so on. Theocratic government is a form of such artificial cultivation. Biblical history from Abraham, and possibly even earlier, to Solomon, is an example of the civilizing of a savage people by members of the inner circle from the Colbrin. The barbarian asks, Who and what is the supreme spirit? Say unto him, Conceive it as a being even above your greatest God. If it helps in your understanding, see the supreme spirit as a God reflecting his image as yourself. The barbarian seeks a God he can see, but try and make him understand this is impossible. The barbarians are still children and these things do not easily come within. Because of this it may be best if they were taught by simple tales, like children, and so brought into the light gradually. A belief in the Supreme Spirit is of no great importance. An inquiry into his nature by the ignorant is purposeless foolishness. It is of much more importance to men that they believe in their own souls. Belief in a God of any sort without belief in the immortality of man and his godlikeness serves no end. If a God existed without man deriving any benefit from his existence, it would be better for man to ignore him. This, however, is not the case. Man seeks unity and communion with the Supreme Spirit only for his own benefit. Man has a destiny founded in something greater than himself, and hence his need for that something. The existence of a supreme being is not just something to accept, believe in and ignore. A belief, faith alone, cannot be ends in themselves, for nothing exists without purpose. Simple belief in a supreme being is not enough, we must know the purpose or intention of the being. If we believe this supreme being created us, however this was brought about, we must seek to discover the purpose behind our creation. If we were created to serve some purpose, to do something we were intended to do, we must do it or earn our creator's displeasure. Does the potter keep the pot useless for its purpose, or the smith keep unwrought metal? Only things which serve the purpose for which they were intended are kept and cherished. Therefore, we who are brothers, were taught not only to believe in a supreme being but also in our similarity to him. The supreme spirit is not a stranger beyond our ken, the powers of the supreme spirit infuse every fiber of our bodies. For the sake of the barbarians it is perhaps best to call the supreme spirit, God, the God without a name. This will solve some difficulties, 
and if the barbarians think themselves superior because they contain him within a name, let it be so and hold yourself in peace. The barbarians make images of God to make him more understandable. Are we much better who make images of him in our likeness within our thoughts? Not perhaps because we believe him so, but to make him more understandable. As man's understanding of God increases, so does God recede, so that though through the ages man comes to understand God better, he ever keeps the same distance away. We who dwell in the light of the Supreme Spirit have come closer to understanding, not because we are better men but because we have devoted our lives to the search, the mystics. If any man seek carefully and diligently enough he must find whatever it is he seeks. God is not a person, but the Supreme Spirit. They must also learn that the spirit is not something separate from man, or something within him. Man is spirit, man is soul. I am not born, nor will I ever die. I am Haru the Enlightened One, Haru the Twice Born. Having crossed the dark waters myself, I carry the others across. Being free from fear, I free others from fear. Being unrestricted, I ease the restriction of others. Knowing the way, I show it to others. Having trodden the road, I now guide others along it. I am an illuminated one, the open of ear, the keen of eye. I am one who knows the law, I am a keeper of ordinances. To obtain the gem the serpent must be aroused and then overcome. To rouse this serpent is a thing not to be lightly undertaken, for it causes a fire to mount into the heart, which may destroy the brain with delusions and madness. Only the twice born can really obtain the gem. Then you pass through the portal to the Hall of Judgment. Here, for the first time, your light is revealed and it is made known whether your tongue has spoken in accordance with the things within your heart. Many are they who know the words of the tongue but sever these from what is written in the heart. If the words of the tongue are copied from the writings of the heart and are a true copy, then cross to the place of assessment where your true form and likeness will be displayed for all to see. A curtain of darkness descends, there is a heavy dark mist, then the muffled crash of thundering doors. The aching body reclines within the tomb of stone. The questing pilgrim has returned to his helm haven. He has learned truths he could never learn on earth and now knows the grand secret. Faith is replaced with certainty and he is now an initiated one. He who sees his own self in all things and all things in his own self is awakened. He is beyond delusion and outside the reach of futile sorrow. Having arisen from the womb of rebirth, the spirit is completely freed from any doubt about the immortality of man. The truly awakened soul is beyond carnal lust and mortal grief, his love is alike for all my creation and thus he shows supreme love for me. If a man would know heaven, he must first know earth. Man cannot understand heaven until he understands earth. He cannot understand God until he understands himself, and he cannot know love unless he has been loveless. God is unknown but not unknowable. He is unseen but not unseeable. God is unheard but not unhearable. He is not understood but he is understandable. The people of those times spurned all spiritual things and men lived only for pleasure, caring little for the good of mankind or the future of the people. The goal of life is upstream, not downstream. 
man must struggle against the current, not drift with the flow. From the revolt against civilization, the menace of the underman by Lothrop's Doddard, it is this elite which leavens the group and initiates progress. From the Bow and the Club by Julius Savola. The last point to which I will allude in these short notes no longer pertains to the definition of the pure concept of initiation in itself, but rather to the connection between the level of initiation and that of mundane reality and history. Particularly in recent times the conception of the secret character of the quality of the initiate has prevailed. The following saying of a Sufi, Islamic initiate, could be cited, that I am a Sufi is a secret between me and God. The hermetic character of the initiate is clear, moreover, from the initiatory current from which this adjective is specifically derived alchemical hermeticism, one of the main currents in the post-Christian West. But if we go further back in time, a different possibility is also attested. If we focus our gaze on those civilizations which, in an eminent sense, we may call traditional those civilizations which had an organic and sacred character and in which all activities were adequately ordered from top down at the center of such civilizations we often find, quite visibly, figures with features similar to those attributed to initiates. As this center is constituted by an imminent transcendence, so to speak, meaning a real presence of the non-human in the human, which is expected of particular beings or elites, there is a corresponding form of spirituality which defines the initiate and distinguishes him from the priest, for example, because the priest, at best, is a mediator of the divine and the supernatural, but does not incorporate this element in himself through the character of centrality. The divine royalty at the origins of a great number of civilizations had precisely this metaphysical character. European, you really deserve to be trampled under a boot. From the Decline and Fall of Civilizations by Kerry Bolton. Commerce is the concern of foreigners, and the intrusions bring with them the corruption of the Russian soul and culture in general. In speech, social interaction, servility, undermining Russian brotherhood. The Cossack Brotherhood was portrayed by Gogol as the formative process in the building up of the Russian people. This race formation is not one of biology but of spirit. Gogol described this process among the Russians as an expanding mystic brotherhood under God. The father loves his children, the mother loves her children, the children love their father and mother, but this is not like that, brothers. The wild beast also loves its young. But a man can be related only by similarity of mind and not of blood. There have been brotherhoods in other lands, but never any such brotherhoods as on our Russian soil. The Russian soul is born in suffering. The Russian accepts the fate of life in service to God and to his motherland. Russia and faith are inseparable. When the elderly warrior Bovdug is mortally struck by a Turkish bullet his final words are exhortations on the nobility of suffering, after which his spirit soars to join his ancestors. The mystique of death and suffering for the motherland is described in the death of Taurus Bulba when he is captured and executed, his final words being ones of resurrection. Wait, the time will come when ye shall learn what the orthodox Russian faith is. Already the people sent it far and near. A Tsar shall arise from Russian soil, and there shall not be a power in the world which shall not submit to him.
The hatred of the West is the hatred for a civilization that had already reached an advanced state of decay and sought to impose its primacy by cultural subversion rather than by combat, poisoning the unborn culture in the womb of the land. Russia was still a land where there were no bourgeois, there was no bourgeoisie. This at the end of a week in which British politicians have been seemingly attempting to interfere with the independent regulation of broadcasting by calling on UK PM Boris Johnson to shut down this channel, effectively ending press freedom in the UK. Johnson, a former journalist himself, claims that doing what the British Labour Party wanted him to do would amount to be being as bad as Russia. With NATO nations and the EU condemning Russian President Vladimir Putin for authorising what Russia calls a special military operation against Ukraine, after Antony Blinken cancelled his meeting with Russian Foreign Minister counterpart Sergei Lavrov, NATO nation media is talking about a whole new era in geopolitics, let alone nuclear weapon use. Here on RT and at Going Underground, we seek to question more as well as provide viewers with all sides of any debate. We have been reaching out to pro-Ukrainians to hear their side of the Ukraine invasion, but uh, in the current climate, many do not want to come on to talk to us. We'd like, therefore, to extend an invite to any Ukrainian journalists or politicians watching now to come on the show and give your side of the story. But joining me now from Moscow is Natalia Narashitskaya, the former vice chairman of the International Affairs Committee in the Russian Duma. Thanks so much, Natalia, for uh, coming on. Not sure how much uh, British media you're watching. I know you're appearing on, on it sometimes. As you might know, NATO nation media has been broadcasting views that Vladimir Putin has gone mad and Boris Johnson has called on the Russian people to overthrow what uh, he says is a dictator. <laughs> well, uh, the language, of course, of uh, modern uh, Western elite uh, leaves much to be, uh, you know, desired, uh, because even in the 19th century, the notes uh, to declare wars uh, began with much more gentlemanly uh, vocabulary. Uh, well, I believe that uh, mad people have expected after the dismemberment of the Soviet Union that such huge geopolitical entity as was the historical Russian state, which grew in centuries and came to equilibrium with outer world in centuries, would just be drafted as uh, 15 uh, new states and everything would be stable, uh, etc. So. Uh, this futile and obsolete paradigm of uh, democracy versus uh, totalitarianism could uh, for them uh, uh, explain everything. But what about um, my poor Ukraine? Why poor? Because the graves of my ancestors lie in Chernigov region. And my grandfather was before revolution director of a college in Chernigov. And my grand grandfather was a priest, Orthodox priest, in St. Michael Church in Chernigov region. So uh, you understand how, how painful it, it is all for me. But Ukraine was composed of a very differing and even conflicting huge uh, population parts. Uh, that's history. And Vladimir Putin, in his uh, address uh, to the nation, explained it, uh, not to say that we should not recognize the state, but to 
to explain why it, it, it had to explode. Because Galicia hadn't shared the destiny with Orthodox Ukraine for 500 years, because it was under Poland first uh, in 14th century, then under Austro-Hungarians, then uh, again uh, as Polish territory between two world wars, etc. It hates Russians, goddamn Moscovites. For them, we Moscovite, and I am also, mixture of barbarian Mongols with um, um, sub-Finns, uh, while the Ukrainians, they're Aryans. You know, and we have stolen the Kiev history and Byzantine heritage. So, uh, and we are so huge and we have multiplied and reached three oceans. So, uh, and they, these people from Galicia, could have become what now Russia is. But for all that history, since 1945, the United Nations was set up. And the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said that recognizing Donetsk and Luhansk, the unilateral measures conflicted directly with the principles of the Charter of the United Nations. And that uh, in, he also said, and name-checked, the International Court of Justice. I don't know whether for a prosecution of Vladimir Putin. If the UN Secretary General, who, who presumably has some of the history books there. If, if Antonio Guterres says this, speaking for the UN, then the Russian Federation has committed a crime. Uh, by the way, International uh, Court of Justice doesn't sue anyone. It just gives le legal assessment of a deed or of, a, of an issue. Uh, when the West bombed sovereign Yugoslavia, signatory to the OEC uh, documents and found, father founding father of the United Sta States, under the pretext that there was genocide against Albanians. Uh, it was not an aggression, according to the Western interpretation. It was a humanitarian mission. Why the West ignores the eight years going civil war that Kyiv started against Donetsk and Lugansk people who have been shelled for eight years and civilians, thousands of them were killed. In my house now in Moscow lives uh, a woman uh, from Lugansk region whose house is staying without windows yet, you know, and she's crying every day, etc. Why? They, and in recent days, preceding the uh, act uh, of our president, uh, the shelling exceeded any scale since the fights over the Donetsk airport. And there was real threat to the lives of people. And, as you know, as you and that's know, a, and that's as you one know. thing. As and you know, in the NATO nation media, all we hear about are uh, uh, people from there attacking uh, Ukraine. But you mentioned Yugoslavia. On this program, we talk time and time again of alleged violations of the UN Charter by NATO members. You mentioned Yugoslavia there, uh, which is often alleged. 
Two wrongs make a right. Russia now acting like, like the United States. Russia, uh, well, as far as uh, Kosovo is concerned, there was no referendum at all. And the West recognized Kosovo contrary to all rules and regulations of there international law. There was later laws. a referendum. No, no, let me, let, me, let me just say another thing. This is only one aspect of what has happened already. Another aspect is that the West was not sparing any effort to shrink uh, the Russian zone of uh, security. And with every step in this shrinking, we were accused more and more of allegedly uh, being so aggressive, etc. So we had to pay and to pay for our losses. The string was compressed to the limit. And Mr. Putin and our government uh, warned in December, and they openly uh, you know, declared the principles which would uh, satisfy Russia exactly in terms of its legitimate security. Just imagine if Mexico is becoming very anti-American in government and Russia starts supplying it with, uh, Soviet Union starts supplying it with arms, with prospects to, uh, for Mexico to enter the Warsaw Pact. Uh, do you think what would the United States do in this case? We know what they did uh, during the Caribbean crisis when Khrushchev installed some rockets, uh, well, next reaching the American territory. And we were on the brink of uh, nuclear war, but we were wise enough, you know, to step back. So the string is um, compressed to the limit. It can only unclench. And that if we have to pay, that's my own opinion, you know, I am not a state functioner. I'm just an expert. And besides my past as member of parliament, first of all, I am a historian. And from the family of renowned historians who studied international relations from 18th to 20th century. Okay, my well, father is very well arguably, so arguably the... We have to pay. If we pay, let's, it's better to pay for gains and not for losses. Well, arguably, the United States uh, so, uh, interfered, uh, interfered the with the Mexican Revolution in a very different uh, way uh, and obviously did occupy territory. But then why did Vladimir Putin say he wasn't going to invade? And what were all the Russian drills, military drills, that occurred in Belarus and in Russia beforehand while Russian... Uh, even the Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, all assuring everyone there would be no invasion. Was it just that particular night's shelling by Ukraine that uh, is alleged that caused this invasion? Or had this been a plan for months and even years? Russia uh, was believing and understanding and seeing uh, that, obviously, um, the West to have a pretext not to, uh, I mean, the United States, of course, and maybe also Britain, because Europe is now has no voice. It's faded so much in terms of ideas, concepts, uh, etc. So, oh, it's a real Untergang des Abendlandes, uh, according to uh, Oswald Spengler. Uh, uh, they 
to have a pretext not to answer Russia's uh, demands uh, in, uh, with regard to security situation, uh, certainly sponsored uh, the aggravation of situation against uh, Donetsk uh, region, which Ukraine performed, especially to provoke Russia, it was clear. So if you want this, now you have it, because we have left no other way out of it. We can't leave our people who beg Russia, where are you, you know, uh, without help. So just because, it's, it's, just because you're provoked doesn't mean you need to respond to provocation. And you mentioned Spengler. I, I think hardly the uh, person uh, that's... Well, there's that's, a famous book on the degradation of Europe. Yeah, I'm not, not sure that's a, that's a good one to, to mention at this stage. Natalia Narachevskaya, I'll stop you there. More from the former vice chairman of the International Affairs Committee in the Russian Duma after this break. Welcome back. I'm still here with Natalia Narachevskaya, the former vice chairman of the International Affairs Committee in the Russian Duma. The uh, pro-Moscow line seems to be talking about Azov battalions and neo-Nazis. What do you think about uh, President Zelensky saying, uh, you are told we are Nazis, but can a people support Nazis that gave more than 8 million lives for the victory over Nazism? How can I be a Nazi? Tell my grandpa, who went through the whole war in the infantry of the Soviet army and died as a colonel in independent Ukraine. That's what Zelensky says. Oh, oh I, I, I read, I read um, uh, this address of Mr. Zelensky. It's a pity that he never said it five years ago when Nazis' uh, portraits were carried along um, streets of Kyiv with torches and glorifying the Hitler uh, henchmen uh, there. Well, they don't uh, when, show that on uh, screens in NATO. Uh, they don't show of, that in, in countries here, uh, in the media in NATO nation countries. And, uh, and the information and... picture in Europe is totally different from ours. That's why we do not understand each other, you know, um, because uh, they, even to they are glorifying um, Bandera. That may be the case as far as you see it. They deny that. And in fact, they continuously and Boris Johnson, in his statement uh, comparing uh, the invasion to Sudetenland, implicitly referencing Hitler, and uh, we hear that uh, the Ukrainians continually comparing Vladimir Putin to Hitler. What do you think the Russian people, Russian politicians, Russian elites, and the ordinary Russians think when they are being compared to Hitler and the Nazis routinely now? Uh, in the United States and in Western Europe? Well, of course, we are uh, disillusioned about the West, but you know, the West has overdosed its, uh, you know, nihilism towards Russia. Some 20 years ago, Russians were sensitive to what was said about Russia and its leadership in the West. Now they couldn't care less anymore because they don't trust the West. They see that no matter how we behave, we are barbaric, you know, black zigzag of world history for them. And they, uh, they cannot stand that we are still surviving. And especially they are so hysterical, I mean, in the West that Russia 
uh, with all its problems in economy and not enough, uh, you know, income per, per capita, still is the only nation, the only people and the only leadership whose national state will is equal to cumulative will of the whole West. And that happens again when Hitler conquered the whole Europe because they were afraid of collateral damage, because they couldn't risk their comfortable life. And it was only Russia in the form of Soviet Union which declared better grave than slave and took this you know, glove. And now it repeats. The West now, you know, sort of organized a Munich, a Munich Accord again to, to orient all what they can use. Thankfully, we have enough arms so that they never dare uh, against Russia. But after each Munich, there is Nuremberg. Russian people are now support very much. You know how much of all protest uh, sentiments in Russia, there are a lot of protest sentiments in, in Russia, I mean, during all these years, and uh, it's not very calm, you know, our society, but 90% of all these protests uh, are not liberal, but they blame the government, the leadership, that it's indecisive, that it doesn't answer the way it should. You know how much Putin was accused, accused, accused that he is tra traitor to Russian uh, people in Ukraine, that he doesn't defend them, etc. Now they said, oh, 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 finally, finally, that's real answer to all these atrocities some against may, our some people. Some may say finally, after eight years of this war, but uh, the UK Daily Mail, which I think is involved in a court case with the... Uh, Prince Harry, actually, here in Britain, they report that 150 senior Russian officials have signed an open letter calling the invasion an unprecedented atrocity. How stable is the Russian Federation now the decision has been taken to invade? You mentioned how many signatories? 150 senior Russian officials. Oh. Probably they're um, working in the banks and their children uh, study in London, uh, Oxford, or having yachts uh, at uh, Canaries, uh, etc. 150 people. We are millions who support and think differently. So you claim that the Russian people support Vladimir Putin and the Russian Duma's decision even though the UN Secretary General said the principles of the UN Charter are not an a la carte menu. Well, very elegant, very elegant um, phrasing, but it has nothing to do with reality. There's nothing to do. Well, I swear and I feel that it was not Russia's choice to lead the situation to such a scale that she had to interfere. And I'm sure if Ukraine is more sober, if the United States stop uh, sponsoring and endorsing all Russophobic actions uh, uh, from Kiev, of Kiev uh, with regard to people of Donetsk and Lugansk, this uh, 
uh, operation would, uh, like surgical operation, would end when uh, their lives were secured um, and uh, nothing more. Nobody has a desire to occupy Ukraine. We've, or, we've uh, heard that phrase, surgical strikes, and the language being used by the Russian side is like the language NATO used in Iraq, Libya, Syria, and Afghanistan, arguably. Uh, again, Guterres said they are not peacekeepers at all. How can they be peacekeepers if civilians, Ukrainian civilians, are dying? Ukrainian civilians are not dying. Well, we uh, hear, we hear reports of civilians dead. And how can anyone trust what comes out of the Kremlin, given they said they were just drills over the past few weeks, that he wouldn't invade, that uh, he wasn't going to threaten Kiev? Well, uh... You say that you are not trusting, or your audience is not trusting, saying it's not an independent source of news, uh, what comes from our country. But uh, uh, are your sources uh, reliable? After Colin Powell, you know, showed uh, cornstarch in glass, saying that this is explosives. In Iraq? Yes, but, but even uh, all sources are saying that this happened, that an invasion has happened. But is Moscow doing what Moscow has been accusing Washington of doing all through the so-called Cold War? Well, uh, Moscow is becoming Washington only in one respect, that it clearly declares of its national interests. And we never used such, uh, you know, fake, uh, etc. The Westerners are always bourgeois. The mentality is falsely attributed to the Jewish people. The pretext is that Jewish merchants have brought evil to Europe. This is false. Europeans are still those little bourgeois shits who don't want to get their hands dirty. There has never been any democracy in Europe. If you want a democracy, go to Russia. One leader, one people, that's a democracy. The bourgeois democracy is a travesty. A Western travesty. As for the direct democracy, it will not be applied in Europe. The Swiss can apply it because they are a great people. What you are going to see in the West is the end of your model, the end of your history, the end of your population. And this is what we have been waiting for thousands of years.